0: You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 22 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Let me say once again, I cannot believe how fast these weeks are rolling by. Just as I cannot believe that we are already into the month of September. Where the hell did this year go? In fact, where did the last three years go? The last five years? By the way, the fact that I'm even asking that question is probably not a good thing. Who wants to be the one who cannot account for last week, or last month, or last year? Not this guy. In other words, you want to make sure you're doing everything in your power to be mindful, purposeful, present, and locked the hell in. All day, every day, in all things. Now, is that easy? Of course not. Is it even possible? I'm not even sure, but I do know it should be the standard. I know that for any of us to get anywhere at all, for any of us to improve dramatically upon who and what we are today, we need to create a new normal. And one of the ways to do that is to be where your feet are. I've always loved that saying. And it's also the title of a book written by today's guest, Scott O'Neill. Scott truly is a force of nature, a leader of leaders, a legendary executive and CEO, and a graduate of the Harvard Business School. A leader of leaders, a legendary executive and CEO, and a graduate of the Harvard School of Business. But even more than that, as I'm sure he'll tell you, he's a husband, a father, a friend, a mentor, a mentor. All places and things where he's looking to excel, but believing it to be only possible if you are where your feet are. You'll learn exactly what that means how critical your WMI is and how to identify it, and the catastrophic event which inspired his book and led him to rethink and reconfigure his life completely. This is a really critical conversation and an extremely important time, and Scott O'Neill is just the man to have it with, and he's coming at you right now on episode 22 of The Reinvention Project, so lock this one in. Now, Scott, I want to say you have written a fantastic book called Be Where Your Feet Are. And we're obviously going to get into this in great detail in a moment. But first, I want to say it's great to have you on the program. Thank you very much. How are things? How is your life?
1: You know, life is fantastic. First of all, I'm a huge fan of yours. I know you know that. I've spoken to you before. You do great work. You're a pro at what you do. And I love this platform and what you're trying to do here. So let me get that out of the way. Secondly, um, I left my job about two months ago as CEO of the 76ers and New Jersey Devils. And I boarded a plane for Mozambique with my 17-year-old daughter and 20 other teens. And we went and helped build a school in Mozambique. Wow. And it was, it was a wow. It was, hey, let's get some perspective. There are people in the world that don't have running water or electricity in their homes. And the kids that we were, were learning outside the school site we were building we're literally learning under trees with a blackboard and a teacher, <clears throat> and uh, and I was doing some hard labor, which I, I definitely deserved. So uh, it was an incredible experience, and then I came back and with a uh, literally a refreshed new perspective and a gratitude and appreciation for this country and life.
0: All right. So first of all, congratulations on that. That is absolutely amazing. And, and I'm really glad you shared that right off the very top. I, and I also appreciate what you said to me personally, Scott. Thank you for that. And this platform is perfect for you and your book and what you just said. And I want to get into more about gratitude and perspective and the like. But what about the book itself? Be Where Your Feet Are. And again, I do want to talk about the book, but what about the reason for doing so? Why did you decide to take that on? And what inspired you to write this book?
1: I appreciate that. I, um, you know, my best friend took his own life, unfortunately, about two years ago. And um, been my best friend for twenty years. His name is Will Carden, an amazing man, very successful um, from a business perspective. Had an incredible family, five amazing children, wife Nicole, and uh, and literally, without being too graphic, uh, went to his childhood home and spoke to his parents and, and went upstairs and took a gun and shot himself in the head. And, uh, he clearly was struggling for, from, um, uh, depression and some other chemical imbalances he was dealing with, uh, n- not commercial. Like he literally, it was just, um, <clears throat> a struggle for him constantly. And, um, and what, what threw me for a loop was I had seen him 10 days earlier and, and I just didn't get it. And I just talked about things like, Hey, just choose happiness, you know, like, like a naive child I would, was counseling him you know hey serve others that's what i do and i'm not feeling good about myself and, and um and then i i went and spoke at his funeral and, and fell apart effectively and so for three months i had trouble sleeping at night and had trouble getting up in the morning and would burst into tears when somebody would say something in the office that was completely unrelated and and at once very very strong um some might say overconfident uh self-assured executive was in pieces and uh, and I started to write to heal, and um, and when I started to write about, other than, half of it was gibberish and half of it was intelligible, and the the half that became a book was just about um, struggle and the messiness of life and the opportunity for us to continue learning and to be lifelong learners and be intellectually curious and be open enough and vulnerable enough, vulnerable enough to share times when we when we fall apart or make a mistake or trip. Um, and, and I did, and, and if I'm, I'm a better person for sharing those stories. I'm a better person because I had those experiences happen to me and I learned from them. And, and what I'm hearing from people, you know, random people who I, I've never met before are saying, thank you, you know, thank you because you understand the messiness of life. And I, I always say, when I'm talking to groups, especially of kids, I'll say things, Jim, like, you know, Hey, when you're 22 years old and you're you know ready to tackle your career, they don't tell you, you know that you, you might lose your job or, you know, you run a company to the ground, you get fired, you have troubles at home, your kids aren't perfect. You know, you grind through a marriage, the ups and downs of, of life, um, you lose your dad. Like all this stuff happened to me. All this stuff happens to everybody. And I, I think, you know, having um, been blessed and fortunate in my career to make a run, I thought it was, um, I thought it'd be be helpful. And I I literally wrote it with the purpose is if I can move one person, if I can help one person through my vulnerability and I think it's a win.
0: You know, Scott, first of all, I'm very sorry for your loss. And secondarily, what an amazing response that was to that and to the question itself because I would say to you Scott like normally, and if I didn't know any different and certainly if I didn't hear that response, I would say yeah, but Scott, let me ask you this and I mean this respectfully, but you are a hard-charging, high-ranking legendary corporate executive you went to Harvard Business School you probably may not be able to identify with what the rest of us mere mortals are dealing with when in fact, you've dealt with all of these things loss of a job, social anxiety trouble at home, kids dealing with this. I mean, I would say to you as an example, have you ever even been fired? But I would imagine the answer is yes.
1: Yes, I was fired from Madison Square Garden after four incredible years. And I'm a New York kid, and that was my dream. And so, you know, and and, and by the way, I, I don't regret a second being there. I don't even regret being fired. I, you know, I, and even that, um, at the time, you know, when things happen to you, and and they go south. <clears throat> the first thing you do is look at everybody else. He he wasn't right. My boss said this. I didn't get this from so and so. And then after you take some time off, and when you get fired from a high paying you know gig like that, you you get a great severance. And you have time. You don't have the pressure. Like when I ran a company to the ground, I mean I was getting foreclosure notices on my right house. Like that's pressure. When, when you get fired from a job and you and you get a nice cushion and a runway, it's it's not pressure. You have more time for reflection. At that point in my career, I had time. And, you know, what I found was that I was spending so much time trying to be right and not enough time trying to be effective. And that's a not-so-fine line. And when you're young and you're ambitious and you're aggressive, you know, oftentimes you you kind of fall on the wrong side of that that curve.
0: Hey, listen, I got a message. Do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free – Theragun can help you do so. Now this is an amazing product. Theragun. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device which releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets right to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or maybe just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. And believe me, I'm not the only one who thinks so. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid. Also elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and then hundreds of thousands of customers just like me. You have to try this product. It's amazing. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com dot com slash reinvention right now and get your gen 4 theragun today once again Therabody.com dot com slash reinvention that's Therabody.com dot com slash reinvention I absolutely love mine and I really think you'll love yours too Listen, in terms of the firing itself, it wasn't just Scott that you lost a job. You lost your dream job. And it wasn't just that you lost your dream job. You have this amazing quote. You called it quote a modern version of the guillotine. End of quote. <laughs> I mean it's an incredible line. What what was it like? How were you able to process it? And then how did you bounce back?
1: You know, uh, it's a great question. I <clears throat> you know, I think about my fourteen year old daughter. Eliza, um, who sometimes will go off the rails, you know, if her girlfriends are on Instagram and they're they're doing something and she's not invited, or something happened and she wasn't there. There's a party, and she, you know, and I always, you know, I always say dad type things to her, like you need to be more confident, you know, um, you can't worry about what other people say. Uh, you need to surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up. And, and yet, when that same thing happened to me, and I was at the eye in the eye of my own storm and I'm reading about myself in the paper and I'm literally shrinking physically and emotionally, like, like almost, you could almost see it. Um, that was hard. It was hard. It's hard to read bad things about you. Um, you know, I know you, I'm sure you've had a little experience with that given your, uh, your run, your history, longevity that market. Right. It's hard. It sucks. Like, I don't know how else to say it. And you know what it's you, you know, you, you have to, you have to buck up. And you have to recognize that everything you're reading on that Google search of yourself is not what everybody else is reading. And then the reality, what I found was just kind of, I guess, ironic, is that most people mostly care about themselves. I I don't mean to, you know, and they don't really care that you lost your job. You know, they, I mean, they they read it. It's interesting. Um, It's a blip on their screen, but for you, it's all-encompassing. And so, so for me, I had to find myself again you know i've had several points in my career i think i'd be interested in, in in your perspective on this too because i know you've had some some adventures when you have to literally dig deep and find yourself and you're like okay where am i clearing my head for me it's the basketball court i go play pickup hoop and i don't care if it's the ymca with old men basketball at noontime or the kids that i play with on saturday the little high flyers the 18 to 22 year olds i play with on saturday we're watching little little five-year-old kids play at a park Like, for me, that's the escape. Like, I knew I needed that. I also know I need to read. Like, I have to get my mind going and thinking differently. And then I have to surround myself with people who love me enough to challenge me, but also are interesting and different and will push the boundaries. So that's what I started to do. I, I kind of found that simple formula and was able to, to come out, fortunately.
0: You know, there's so many really interesting things in that response, and I wanna follow up on some of that. I do wanna ask you one thing, that you, you and I actually have a common friend, a mutual friend, and the guy's brilliant in Peter Goober. Now, let me share something with you really quickly. So when I was on my way up as a young broadcaster, and I'm not even sure why this is other than this is just Peter and he knows things. For some reason, he he wanted to have lunch with me when I was on the way up. So, of course, I did that, and I was thrilled to do so. And I remember Scott at lunch, him just have, hammering me with these questions, but from a really good place. And he said to me, finally, I want to tell you something and I want you to always remember this. And I'm like, this is a word from the man himself. Like, I can't wait to hear what this is. He looks me dead in the eye and he says, S-Y-M, S-Y-M, S-Y-M. Do you know what that is? And I'm feeling really uncomfortable because I can't figure it out. I'm like, S-Y-M, S-Y-M, S-Y-M. He looks me and he says, save your money. So I thought of this guy right then and there, like, what? yeah, that's smart. And I wish I'd done more of that. But anyway, that aside, I know you ran into him when you started at MSG. And I know you ran into him on the day that you were fired.
1: What kind of advice did he give you? You know, I mean, the, first, the first day at MSG, I met him through uh, Howie Newchow. was one of the co-founders of the CAA Sports. He's, you know, I'm godfather of his kids. We've been to each other's weddings. So we go way back. And he he worked with Peter years ago. And um, so I, I've been fortunate enough to be around Peter. And then all, obviously at NBA board meetings, for you know, I've been at those board meetings for 15 years. So getting a chance to see him do what he does is pretty special. So we came to see me on my first day and he said, uh, Scott, how long are you going to work here? I'm like, forever. <laughs> right. You <laughs> he, think about how naive I was, right? I was like, forever. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm being serious. I'm like, all right. Uh, I don't know, 20 years? Is that too much? And like, he's literally like, ready to pounce. And I was like, I don't know, a decade? Peter, this is all I ever wanted to do. Like I grew up as a Nick fan and a Ranger fan. I get to play on the court every day. I mean, this is like, you know, anyway. So he says, uh, Scott, here, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about how you can leverage this opportunity to create relationships. And I said, I literally jumped in. I was like, that's not what I do. I said, I'm company first. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say do things that are bad for the company. They have to be good for the company and for you at the same time, which I really appreciate it. And he said, but I need you to create those lasting relationships um, and carry them with you for the rest of your life. On my That was the first day. The last day he came not to gloat and tell me he was right, not to rub it my face, not to even give me the wink and the nod. He said, hey, I don't know if you know, but I had a really bad crash and burn when I was chairman of Sony. He said, you can read about it. There's a book written about it. And I said, can you tell me about it? And he told me the story. And he said, Here, here's what I would recommend for you. First off, take your type A crazy and put it in your pocket. And I appreciated that because I am the type A crazy. And and I said, but what does that mean? Like, how does that look? How does it feel? What does it, you know? And he said, well, he said, I know that you were going to try to prove everybody wrong. And you're going to want to have a job in eight seconds. And you're going to want to stand up and pound your chest like you're uh, King Kong and the Empire State." But He said, don't. He said, take Lisa on a trip take your kids away go decompress go read books go watch sunsets go get a massage get a nice dinner go away find the beach you know and um and I did so that's the first piece of advice I actually went to Cabo this place Las Ventanas which is the greatest resort in the world my
0: man my man like maybe my favorite resort ever is that not the best place
1: I almost when they were spritzing us with Evian I thought it was a little over the top but other than that
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's an amazing it's resort.
1: The place in the world. Uh, and then I took my kids out of school and, uh, and took them – they'd never been to Europe, so I took them to, to London and Paris. And, look, I recognize if you're listening to this, you're like, do you believe this guy? And I said, you know what? I was working 150, 160 nights a year, and um, I hadn't seen my kids much, to be honest with you. So I was going to do anything I could do to get some time. And and they'll tell, still tell you that that was the best trip of their life, and, I, and, and, and not because – it was London and Paris. It's because my phone stayed in my room and I was present and grounded. We'd talk about a time when I could be where my feet are. Like that was it. And, um, and so then anyway, Peter also told me after that, he said, call everybody, you know, and I was like, I don't really feel comfortable with that. <laughs> well, how else are they going to know that you're in the game? And, uh, so I did that. Oh, by the way, I got truancy notices on my kids. Cause I pulled them out of school for a few weeks. There you but, go. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you know stuff. we we talk I, about I was that. Sarcastic notes back that my wife had to clean up when she got back. She was not enamored with my humor.
0: I don't think I'm gonna get any pushback or debate on this point, but there are just some things that are better at home. Sleeping in your own bed, better than anything else, pausing movies whenever you want, dancing like nobody's watching. These are things you need to do at home. I'll tell you what else is awesome to do at home. Working out, getting your sweat in. Peloton knows this. Peloton delivers a workout experience that you would never imagine is possible right in your own home. I know this because I use mine every single day and I have for several years. No more having to go to the gym, hump it down the road. I go right into my office and I jump on my Peloton. It's awesome. And for so many different reasons. Here's why I love my Peloton. I can jump on, and I can ride live, or I can go back into their archive and find any class which has already taken place. I can ride for 45 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever I want. It's always there. Plus, you're in a community with others. You can work out with your friends. You can make new friends. You can check the leaderboard and see how you're doing. You can hand out high fives to others that are riding with you. The options are limitless. It's a seamless fit to your lifestyle. It's always there. You work out when you want. I absolutely love my Peloton. And again, I've said this before, but I want to repeat it. I had mine long before we became partners on this podcast. That's how much I love that bike. With the Peloton bike, there is nothing like working out from home. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. New members can try Peloton classes for free for 30 days at OnePeloton.com. Dot com slash app terms do apply that's o n e p e l o t o n dot com one peloton dot We talk about that, though. Sometimes you need to do that. And what's amazing, Scott, you and I can have a conversation like this, and we've gotten as far as we've gotten into this without me wanting to ask you that first question because there's so much in this, but this notion of be where your feet are, it's such an amazing statement. What exactly does that mean to you to be where your feet are?
1: It means you put your phone down and get your head up, and that you're fully engrossed and engaged in whatever you're doing. And you have to decide if you want to be, Jim, I want to be in this conversation with you. I am 100%. I'm not checking my text or my phone. I'm not looking around. I don't have music playing in the background. I'm not trying to watch a show. I'm not running out. I'm actually in Vegas right now. I'm not running out to, I don't gamble, but if I did, running out to, to hear the uh, sound of the slot machines, I'm here. I'm, I'm with you and I'm engaged. And, and that's what it's about. It's like, I always think about the best analogy for me is that I have three daughters and it's insanity in my house. In the morning, it's like, I call it the NCAA tournament. It's just total survival advance. Like <laughs> I just try, my wife and I look at each other, we're kind of winking, we're rolling our eyes. We're thinking like, can we get these ladies out of the house without a nuclear meltdown? There are no meaningful moments in that time. I go to work, they go to school, they got basketball, cheerleading, boyfriends, which I'll never talk about, homework, and then I'm home. And how much time do I have? Like an hour? Like meaningful time with them. Maybe two hours if you're lucky. What I want to challenge everybody to do is figure out what you want to do in that hour. Do you want to flip on like an old office rerun or binge on Netflix or surf TikTok or check your texts or emails for the 15th time? Or can you use that time to have meaningful conversations and meaningful moments? And that, my friend, is be where your feet are.
0: It is so important and so challenging, and we all need to get better at that. So, Scott, let me ask you something: If, if it, it's obviously critical to be where your feet are and to be fully present at all times, does that then mean that our brain cannot actually do more than one thing at a time?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's that is absolutely proven. Um, but there's some other things you know to consider. Um, so. I, uh, I think there's a there's literally a, a mental health epidemic going on in this country right now. And so I've been spending quite a bit of time thinking about and learning about what a formula is for each of us to follow. And for me, it's do something for your mind, something for your body, and something for your soul every day. Get the right amount of sleep, practice gratitude, and be where your feet are, which is foam down, head up. And if, if you think about what, opportunity that provides for you in terms of how you live your life because they all serve a purpose and we'll we'll get around to answer your question is one is something for your mind learn something like i think we all get on this treadmill and we just go and if we have to learn something for work we're doing it if we have to read something for work we're reading it if you have to prepare for a meeting you're preparing for it but what are you learning outside your core job for your body's easy you got to take care of yourself 20 minutes i'm like pick up hoop or peloton one of the two i do (laughs) it every day right Um, And I am one of those lunatics, but on both sides. I talk way too much trash on the hoop court and I, and I zone out on a Peloton, but I get my sweat in every day. And I I don't, and and some people say, well, I can't do that. Great. 20 minutes, get your heart rate, go for a walk. And then the soul is always complicated because nobody wants to talk about it anymore. But, and and I'm not advocating that you, that you pray or read scriptures, go to church. People can make their own decisions as to how they want to do that. But, but you do have to find stillness. You have to meditate or practice yoga or just sit outside and listen to the birds chirp in the morning. You, you've got to let your 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 mind, body, soul rest, and then it comes to sleep. And Jim, we're about the same age, I imagine, and I would imagine that when you were growing up, you heard things like "money never sleeps," you know, "sleep is for the week." All this crap. And the reality is, it's not true. And like, we have to get ourselves healthy, and the way we can get ourselves healthy is to rest both through the meditation I talked about in terms of the soul part, but also through sleep. And then practicing gratitude is the simplest, it's the simplest form. And I'd invite everybody listening to just do a 30 day challenge. And for 60 seconds every day, write a note to someone you appreciate and love and start with your mom. I I did this once I sent it to my mom the first time I, I do it quite a bit now when I first started this journey and she wrote, I said, Hey mom, I love you. I appreciate you. I just want to thank you for everything you've taught me over the years. And there's not a day that goes by you're not in my heart. Thank you. I love you. And she said, "Hun, are you okay? Mm, right. <laughs> that's not, that's not, that's not me at my best self. And, and so I think, you know, get spending 30, 60 seconds a day telling somebody that you appreciate them, uh, whether that be a friend, a mentor, a boss, a teacher, a neighbor, a partner, a kid, an aunt, you know, we, we have to be better. And then the last one is just put your phone down. I and mean, get some rules in place. Um, you know, for us, it's like in our house. And my, by the way, my my children say that I'm very draconian in my ways. Um, no phones or electronics in the bedroom, any of them, mine included, or the kitchen. And so we have some sacred spaces. Uh, we 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 definitely put locks and social media limits on our kids' phones. And I will say, like, if you can't regulate yourself, uh, you need to let technology do the do the do the work. But we have to be better. Like, we have to have more meaningful moments together.
0: I love all that so much, Scott. For instance, we have a junior in college. We have a junior in high school. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I want to be very clear about this. What you just laid out were five keys. You did so quickly, but it's very clear you have to do something for the mind, the body, the soul every single day. You got to get a good night of sleep. You have to practice gratitude. These are all five key things. Also, and there are a number of things in the book that you write about and you talk about that are very practical and very pragmatic. Those things, for instance, but you also talk about the importance of living your leadership constitution and that that's a two-part process. What does that involve? You
1: know, again as I I was a I'm a product of a are two hippies from the 70s so um you know i was born in 1970 and my parents had us doing like these crazy affirmations and saying positive things in the in the mirrors in the mornings and i thought it was the most ridiculous thing of all time growing up and come to come to learn now that you know setting an intention in the morning uh whether you do that through a mantra or positive affirmations or a leadership constitution is actually what will set you right your your brain and, and you hit the nail on the head you you can only do one thing at a time. Um, your brain will have to stop to change. Like there's no such thing as multitasking. Truly, from a, from a brain, head. it's linear. Um, but you you have this. Uh, sorry. So leadership constitution is answering two questions. I declare that I am, and you can count on me to be. And for for me to when I'm at my, again when I'm living my best self, and, and I, I'm not trying to preach here. I I fall down more than I stand up. Uh, but I know that when I'm my best self, uh, the Leadership Constitution sits in my bathroom and in my office, and I read it every day. And it's a it's a path and a way to get me straight. And if I'm off kilter or struggling or down or off or sad, typically I can read that Leadership Constitution and point to exactly what I'm not doing and it helps me get back on the path.
0: So what we're talking about here is, I declare that I am, and you can count on me to be, and if you fall off the path, if you do that, you can get back on the path quickly. You know, you mentioned being your best self, and that's something you hear quite a bit, right, Scott? Like, I'm trying to be my best self. You and I, you're right. You and I are similar in age. I'm a few years older than you, but I want to ask you something, and and forgive me if I'm wrong. I want to ask you two things, actually. It seems to me that you relate to this podcast and what I'm trying to do because we're searching for something similar. I'm trying to reinvent myself. I'm a little bit older. We're both in our 50s. I mean, do you feel like despite everything you've accomplished professionally and personally that you were actually now in your 50s only hitting your stride right now and starting to lock in on your purpose in life? Does it take that long? Do you feel like that's now the time where you're finally hitting that stride?
1: You know, I think so. I I feel like it's the first time in my life where I understand my strengths and my weaknesses. And sometimes my strengths are my weaknesses and my weaknesses are my strengths. We can talk about that if you want. I feel like connected-wise, I know half the free world. Um, I think from a business end, I know how to do deals. I know how to build teams and lead people. And I have a better sense of what makes me happy more than anything else. Um, and I, I think that, that to me, is the real superpower. Hey, I pulled up my leadership constitution. Do you want me to read it?
0: Yes, I do.
1: Okay. I declare that I am a passionate and authentic leader of leaders who feels a gravitational pull towards talent and character. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I love people and being part of a team. I get energy from helping others and would give the shirt off my back to a stranger and anything, anytime to a friend. I'm a family first, high integrity and surprisingly sensitive change agent who is confident confident, caring, and intellectually curious. This fuels a competitive drive that at times feels like a chip on my shoulder. You can count on me to bring positive energy into my space, exude urgency and push you, challenge you, nudge you, and raise the bar beyond your expectations and sometimes what you think is reasonable. You can count on me to laugh with you, cry with you, love you, even when you won't laugh, haven't cried, and don't feel loved. You can count on me to root for you today, every day, and. Share the most personal thoughts, emotions, stories, highs and lows, because I'm okay with it and who I am. You can count me to enjoy the roller coaster of life, whether we're going forward, backwards, and upside down. Drive hard to reach the summit and then quickly start another mountain. You can count on me to share wins and take hits for losses. So that is my leadership constitution.
0: That actually helps me quite a bit, and I'm sure people listening right now will have a better idea of what a leadership constitution is when they hear it like that. I'm not saying that what I'm about to ask you was my biggest takeaway, but you, there was a phrase in the midst of that that I did want to ask you about anyway, and you mentioned having a chip on your shoulder. Now, in doing some of the research, I know this, that when you came up and you were in high school, you, know, you were a hard-driving kid. You did really, really well, and you had high ambitions, and you applied to some really, really good schools. However, and I've heard you say this, you only got into two— two of the top eight schools, and that left you with, quote, a chip on your shoulder. I'm curious, like, Scott, I always was of the opinion, like, I don't think I would be where I am, wherever wherever that is, without having a chip on my shoulder, especially on the way up. You yourself admitted you had it and still wonder if you have it right now. I'm curious, is it a good thing or not a good thing? And in fact, do you still have that chip on your shoulder?
1: You know, it's like the story of the two wolves, um, you know, it's like an evil wolf and it's a good wolf. And, you know, the young boy says, which one wins? And he said, whichever one you feed. I, I think about that story because I think a chip on your shoulder is incredible if you use it for good. If, if it fuels the right behavior, if it fuels the right instinct, if it fuels the right motivation. Um, I've seen people with big chips on their shoulder and, and all it makes them is angry, is frustrated and <laughs> mad and jealous and crap. And right. for me, it fueled work and intensity. And, you know, quite frankly, when I was young, ambition. I didn't even know ambition was bad when I was young. I, I just, you know, I, I didn't even understand the negative connotation of it. But I I wanted to do big things and great things. And at some point, even in school, to in college, to prove something to nobody. I mean, just to my I mean, it was like I was, you know, I, I told a story to my friend the other day. It's like I took like, electives of like, advanced calculus two semesters in college and japanese like it's, it doesn't make any sense at all and i was just trying to say like no see i'm smart it was just so like looking back now it's ridiculous you know um but it has pushed me for sure and i, I don't i look like, i don't run i, wrote, I put in my leadership constitution i don't run from that chip in my shoulder what but i, I want to make sure that that chip is married up with positive energy and a drive as opposed to a distaste for people and and a hate and a jealousy and all the other crap that comes out in life sometimes when you get going through the uh, gauntlet.
0: See, you understood that question. That's exactly what I was getting at. Like, the, there's so much that we get out of it that's good, but it's like, you're right, the wolves, the good wolf, the bad wolf, the courage wolf. What It depends what wolf you feed. And being around professional athletes the way you have, you know what I'm talking about, that these guys often run on that kind of fuel. Like, some of these guys want to prove you right. And some just spend their lives trying to prove people wrong. And you might ultimately get there, but at what cost? So let me ask you this then. For instance, and and shoot me straight here, Scott. I really want the honest answer to this because even if you tell me not what I want to hear, and I never want to be told what I want to hear, but I really want an honest answer to this because I respect your opinion so much. I'm trying to be personally, and I think people listening would feel the same way. And you yourself, I think, would probably agree with this. I'm trying to be at my very best ever physically mentally spiritually and emotionally into my 50s like do you think that that's realistic is it feasible or am i just feeding myself a bunch of crap and that really shouldn't even be what i'm focused on anyway like is my best working creativity in front of me and not behind me at this age because i really want to think that it is
1: i think absolutely i mean physically physically the only we just recover slower right i mean you know, I'm in, uh, hopefully you're in good shape. I'm in as good a shape as I've been in a really long time, but it's different. I have to work twice as hard to get half the results. Oh, I get you know, it. I'm not going, I'm, I'm certainly not going to, uh, to for fast food. I mean, I have to eat differently and work out differently, but emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, this is our prime fifties, fifties, sixties. I mean, this is when we know we've made mistakes. We've learned, we have perspective, we have relationships, we have opportunity, we have time, you know? You said your, your youngest is a junior in high school. It's like, how much real time are you getting? You know, in two years, um, you know, you, you're you're empty nested. You're you're for like, what are you going to do with that time? How are you going to spend it? Think of the opportunity we have. So yes, I I think fifties are the our prime and sixties are the fun.
0: All right. So in terms of that, you also talk about the importance of WMI. So what is that, and then how do we go about identifying that?
1: So WMI stands for what's most important. I had this longtime executive coach named Brendan Burchard. He's, uh, if you don't know him, you should look him up. He is a, a, an unbelievable force of nature and kind of changing the face of leadership in this country. Um, and, and helped me rediscover what I wanted to be in a leader. And one of the things he taught me was that high performers spend 65% of their time on what's most important. And so I went through the exercise. So I, I'd encourage your listeners to go through this exercise. So, so you just make columns on a piece of paper. On, on, on the top of one column, write personal, then relationships, and then work. And, and on the rows, just write one, two, three. <clears throat> and I, I just want you to identify three things that are most important in your personal life, your relationships, and your work. So, I went through this exercise and then I audited uh, my calendar, which is another incredible tool. So, you you write down what's most important, you audit your calendar, and then you figure out how much stuff that you're doing is not in your what's most important. Now, I now remember Brendan said it was 65% of high performers, they're spending 65% of more of their time on what's most important. I was at 23%. 23? Hmm. And so I literally had asked myself: I either have to change what I claim is most important, or learn the magic word "no," and I have to start being more disciplined and appreciate the preciousness of time. Because as we get older, Jim, you know that's the constraint: is time.
0: I'm going to say about time, Scott. I don't know about you, and I, I fight this. All the time. I fight this all the time that, you know, you don't, the last thing you want is regret. And I think about how fast time goes. And I wonder where those 10 years went. And I wonder where those 20 years went. And it actually depresses me, but you know, sitting back and wallowing in what happened in those twenty years is not going to do you any good. We best look forward and take advantage of it. But what do you make of time? I mean, I, I'm just blown away. Where does life go? How does that clock spend spin so quickly? And how do we slow it down?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I had had this speaking to um, a friend of mine, Spencer Holt. Um, Another he's got a great podcast as well, Small Things Make a Big Difference. Anyway, wonderful guy. And he said something that I will never forget. He said, I overestimate what I can do in a day, but I underestimate what I can do in a year. Hmm. And I, I I love the notion of that. So I overestimate what I can do in a day. And I underestimate what I can do in a year, which for me, the way I internalized that and processed that was, boy, I need to figure out what I want to accomplish in the next 12 months in the next 24 months, in the next 36 months. And then I need to put a plan against it, and I need to get get a feedback loop in place, get an accountability partner, and then start accomplishing what I want to accomplish. Because as you know, like, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't. And I mean, look, with with all your success, you know, like, you don't wake up successful. It just does not happen that way. Um, And so I I love the notion of not slowing down time, but making sure that this time I have I can optimize
0: for. No, I think you're really good like that. Like you, you are blocking out and planning and I mean, <laughs> You need a plan, and that plan's not going to execute itself, but it really isn't going to work if there's no plan whatsoever. So, Scott, before you go, like I, I got to think that this is a really introspective time, a really interesting time. At the top of this, you mentioned that you had stepped down as the Sixers CEO earlier this summer. I, I'm curious, like what went into that decision, and then what are you looking to do in the next 12 months or 24 months or 36 <coughs> months? Now What?
1: Sure, this is great. Um, I don't know if you know Dave Chappelle, the, the comedian, but sure. I love his stuff. And he has this video where he talks about, um, he asks, he's, he's, he's getting interviewed by um, Gail King from CBS. And she says, why did you walk away from this show? And he says, um, he had this big contract and he walked away uh, from the Dave Chappelle show. And he says, well, you know, do you know how a bushman in Africa finds water? And Gail says, no, I have no idea. And she thinks she's being set up, but she's not. And, and he says, well... Uh, they, they dig a hole and, and put some salt in it. And the hole is just big enough for a baboon to reach his hand down and grab the salt. Um, and the baboon will come, and they'll reach their hand down and grab that salt. And they, Because they love the salt so much, they will not be able to pull their hand out of, out of that, that hole. And uh, then the bushman comes, take, takes the baboon, digs the, digs the hole around, takes the baboon, puts it in the cage, and feeds them salt, 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 salt. And then lets the after a few days, lets the baboon run. And the Bushman follows him. The baboon runs right to water. Then the Bushman can drink and find some water. Hmm. And and it, the way he tells the story is, in that in that story, you know, I'm the baboon and I can't let go of the salt. And I think for me, that's the most analogous thing I've seen so far. I loved my time. I worked for two incredible guys, Josh Harris and David Blitzer. We took that organization from a very small organization to a very big organization. We took that the team from... Worst ever over a three-year period to number first in the East. Um, and I was ready to go grow and build and do something different. And it was time. And I did not want to grab that salt too long. Um, in terms of what I'm doing next, I, wanna, I know I want to grow. I know I want to build. I'm going to spend more time thinking about my why rather than my what. And my why is I want to help develop the next great generation of leaders. And I want to have a platform big enough that I can influence the world and make the world a little bit better. So I know that I don't know the what yet, but I know the why. And I think that's the harder question.
0: I think that's amazing. Listen, last thought then. What about a what? For instance, Barbara Streisand's manager, Marty Ehrlichman, of all people, once told you the secret to life. I mean, Scott, we're all looking for that, right? The secret to life. What do you remember about that conversation? What did he tell you the secret to life was?
1: I remember, like, it was yesterday because my my music guy, Sean Seda, kept saying to me, like, why do you have a suit on? Why do you have a suit? I was like, because this is what I wear. I was, was in L.A. I was probably the only one with a suit in L.A. And um, he's like, Scott, I don't think you should go to this meeting. He's not going to like you. I'm like, how can he not like me? And I'm going to that thing like, me? Why not me? So I'm anyway, the best. So we go to the, Be- the Beverly Hills Hotel. Of course, um, he's sitting in, like, his regular chair. It's a swanky hotel. And he's got, like, a you know a drink. And... And we're telling stories, and he's laughing, and I'm laughing, and I'm looking at my, my guy, Sean I'm thinking like, see, Sean, I could do this, even with my suit on. And, um, and and he looks at me after a while. We have talked for 45 minutes. He says, do you want to know the secret to life? I said, yeah. So I pulled my phone out. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I said Marty, in all due respect, if you can tell me the secret to life, I'm going to capture this on, on video. And uh, I still have it, by the way, of course. And he says, number one, You're so passionate about what you do in the morning that you put your feet on the ground and you pop out of bed and you sprint towards whatever you have to tackle for the the day. And he said, number two, at home, you're so passionate about the life you're creating at home that you sprint home with equal passion. And I love that. I really do. It's It's a mantra for me.
0: I think that's awesome. That is absolutely awesome, I and mean, it's a good thing you had that on video. But I don't think that you need that on video to remember that. You hear something like that, you never ever forget that. Scott, this I'm so glad that you and I could have this conversation, that you made time for this conversation, and that we could have a long-form conversation like this. I mean, it was great to talk to you about the Sixers and your sports career and, the, and Madison Square Garden and everything else, but this this is an amazing thing and so helpful, and there is so much in this. The book is called Be Where Your Feet Are. If there's any other way for folks to get in touch with you, read more, or find out more, is there a convenient or easy way to do so? Where would you direct them?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn uh, or Twitter for me, at Scott O'Neill on both.
0: What do we do, finally, with social media, right? Like, on the one hand, it's the best thing ever, and on the other hand, frankly, it's the worst thing ever. Like, how concerned are you about our teenagers and our nation's youth spending time on social media and ending up in the wrong places, in the wrong parts?
1: Yeah, you know, just tell a quick story. Please. I'm going to tell you a quick story from, from Mozambique, so... I'm literally working at a construction site, and the, the guy, Mario, who's running the site, doesn't speak English. I don't speak any Portuguese, so it was kind of an adventure. <clears throat> and because I have no skill, I was in the, all the unskilled labor jobs. So I went from cement mixing, fascinating, um, to uh, wheelbarrowing. And when I was doing the cement, first of all, I had to carry these 110-pound bags, like 100 yards. And these are, I'm a 20-year-old. So I'm like, hey, boys, ladies, you carry the bags. You're anyway, so I'm carrying these bags. Then you have to mix it with with uh, sand and you get the right mix and then you get this water and you put the water on and the one thing after nine hours of doing this three or four days in a row i had a lot of time to think and the one thing i thought about was just that water and um and if you put too much water in cement it's not it's, it's useless it just melts away and if you don't put enough water in it gets really hard and i and i think about that in terms of not only social media but a lot of things in life and like what do we what do we what are, at what parts of our life we're we using too much water. In other words, like too much social media is bad. So is too, too many Doritos, you know? And what stuff aren't we doing enough of? That goes back to the mind, body, soul, sleep stuff that we talked about before. But I love the analogy of just water. And so I think social media is an inc- incredible. It connects us, gives us opportunities, create a whole new media. It's created opportunities for people to have careers and what they call these influencers, which is still like amazing to me. Um, and you can do good. You can post good and positive things. You can get uplifting things. But the problem is, is, you know, you make one wrong turn or a couple wrong turns and you end up in a really bad place. And that one wrong turn can be too much social media. It can be the wrong social media or it can put you in a, uh, a place uh, with people you don't want to see and things you should not be around. And so I, I, I would love, I love the notion of <clears throat> keeping up with my friends and understanding what they're doing. I love the, under, the, the notion that we can get news in real time. I love seeing pictures of family or great accomplishments. I love all that stuff. I just want to make sure your listeners are, are understanding that, that analogy of, of the water. I really do. And it's like, just make sure you're regulating that water flow.
0: I love the analogy of the water. It's kind of like if you're driving around in a car and you make one wrong turn and you end up in the wrong neighborhood, bad, bad things could happen. Or if you go down that rabbit hole of social media, you lose an hour or two hours, bad things happen. I used to think that when it first came up, Scott, like I, I would I would talk to coaches about their athletes being on social media. And my thing always was not what they would say, but rather what they would see and what they would yes. read and what they would internalize. Listen, one last thought, because I know there are a lot of people like our age that listen to this podcast and they have kids. I'm really curious. You talked about your experience when you went and you did some hard labor, manual labor. Did you say you brought your daughters? And if so, how did they do?
1: yeah. <clears throat> My 17 year old daughter, but my, you know, my kids are, are really social. I think this next generation they're better global citizens than we ever were. <clears throat> they have access to information and people, they have no fear. They have, you know, I had one daughter spent um, a summer in a Syrian refugee camp in Athens, mm, and, wow. and uh, same one in a tent in Zambia working with orphans. Incredible! So, you have refugees and orphans, and this, this my daughter Kira, my middle one, that's Alexa, my middle one um she wanted an adventure and wanted me to come with her and it's a, it's a teens trip and um she's a i mean i was so impressed i i think i'm just impressed with her as a leader and a worker i mean i i literally this one i i, I mean, a gush over but this is where we were building scaffolding out of tree like trunks and sticks and i literally was like i'm afraid of heights i'm like the world i'm i'm the worst person to have a construction site right <clears throat> So this is you know day six, and I'm up on this scaffolding. I'm like, I looked at my daughter Kira, I was like, this is crazy. And she, and then we had a kid fall off the scaffold, believe it or not, fall off, land on his back. Of course, he's 18 years old, pops right up. Hey, wow. that hurt. I'm like me, I'd be <laughs> I'd wow. still be there. Um <clears throat> so anyway, my daughter comes in the next day, she's like, Dad, we gotta fix this. And I was like, fix what? The scaffolding, is it's unsteady. And so she's like, get those boards. So she has to get boards. And then she got these wire ties and tied them down and made it all good. And she says to me, <laughs> like, this is the kind of kid she's, I mean, she yeah, it's, it's a lot like life. And I literally chuckled because I get accused of, of over giving life lessons in my house. Okay. Um, and she said, you know, it was wobbly and and unste- unsteady, you know, and, and then we just decided, like, we we're going to build a firmer foundation and we we're going to get boards and we're going to tie it down. We're going to spend the time. We're going to prepare. Do all the work up front so we get better on the back end. I literally almost fell over. It's and, uh, that 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 little exchange alone made that trip worth it.
0: It's it's an incredible story. Like I want to say to you, she was there because you made her go, or she was there because she wanted to be there. It certainly sounds more like the latter than the former.
1: Yeah. No, I was there because she wanted me to go. I mean, oh, wow. That? yeah it's it's it's, i tell you how how did that happen by the way scott how
0: how does that happen because my 17 year old is not going to want to go much less make me go exactly how did that happen in your family
1: you know she i mean i i've i always say i was raised by a strong woman i married a strong woman and i'm raising three really strong women so they're strong ladies these are not wallflowers um so my daughter had had seen this um, online group called HEFY, H-E-F-Y, Humanitarian Exchange for Youth. And they send 4,000 kids all over. And they need parent builders. And they're oftentimes in, in distressed areas that that need help. And they go build a school or house and all that, that kind of thing. And uh, she said, Dad, I want to go and I want you to come with me. Now, I mean, it was that simple. And I looked at my wife and said, honey, why don't you go? Right, <laughs> right. But uh, it worked. I, I wouldn't trade that time. For anything in Mozambique with her the lessons I learned the 20 incredible teenagers that went on that trip it was it was pretty special
0: one last thing you mentioned the strong women in your life you tell a great story too about when you were still working in the business not long ago you had a tough loss tough tough loss in the playoffs and you know you never want to bring your work home but it's it's so personal and in fact you did what did your wife say to you once you came home and you were still stewing about that loss
1: yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great moment. Um, so I was literally stomping around the kitchen like a child, like a petulant child. And she comes in and she's like, What are you doing? I mean, it's probably 11 o'clock at night, you know, by the time I get home and kids are young kids at the time, they're sleeping. I was like, What do you mean? And I give like the attitude back. She's like, No, I'm serious. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, Well, did you not see the game tonight? And she's like, big whoob, who, bet? who bet? She's like, Yeah, I saw the game. I saw the game. I was like, did you not see us get blown off the court? She's like, yeah, I saw the game. I was like, did you you not hear the fourth quarter booze? She said, Scott, I didn't even need the TV on to hear those booze. And I was like, and, you know, And she's like, this is not going to work. And I was like, what's not going to work? She's like, this, this whole thing you have going here, how many games are you going to lose this year? (laughs) I said, whatever I said, 80, you know, and, um, She's like, so you're gonna be, you're gonna be pissed like this, a third of every day home, like that's your that's your plan, like this is not gonna <laughs> work for me as a wife or a or a mom and you as a dad, and I was like, you know, it's like wah wah wah, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, um, and I'm pretty emotional, so and competitive, and so of course I, the, the lesson didn't just like dawn on me, like it's not like a bright light, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh of course, honey, you're amazing. I like stomped outside. And I just need a little bit of time. That's what I need. And I took the time and I came back and she's right, you know? And, and so I had this, this friend of mine, I was telling him the story and I was, I was handing up the story he's like, man, you need a worry tree. I was like, a worry what? He's like, look, when I come home, I'm all uptight. He's a, a banker. He's like, I just put my hand in this tree, all my worries shoot up in a tree and I just walk in the house. And I said, my friend, there are no worry trees in my property. And and he started laughing. He's like, "No, no, you know what I mean." I said, "I know what you mean." And so for me now, it's it's um it's literally just a quiet ride home. I don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to, I don't listen to anything. I, I if I have to talk, it's to call a friend to like howl at the moon. And then by the time I get home, that's my that's my free and clear. Uh, check the phone and go be a dad and go be a husband. And it's it's hard and it's a work in progress. But that's, uh, that was a big wake-up call for me.
0: I love so many things about that story. I, I love so many things. I-, I could just keep doing this and keep following you around on everything you say, but then you would never leave. I just want to comment on one thing. Like... Because of who you are and the success that you have had, it would be very easy for your spouse to say, you know what, he's the guy and that he has a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And I'm just going to stay out of the way and let him process that loss the way he is because he's the one who's special. I love that your wife's like, hey, by the way, that ain't going to work. (laughs) <laughs> that ain't going to work. I understand there's a lot of pressure. I understand you want to win. I understand you're competitive. But no, you. how many games are you going to lose? And if you're going to bring that home with you every single time, no, that ain't going to work. I really, really respect that. In terms of the, the worry tree, I think I may get one of those. I may stop by the nursery on the way home, Scott, and see hey, if I can get one of those. Too, yeah, And if I can't plant one, then I think to your point, I understand. Because I could keep doing this, I, I better let you go right now. But, Scott, I appreciate it so much. The book itself, Be Where Your Feet Are, is amazing. It's a great read. Your insight's amazing. And what a great conversation. I mean, I, I this helped me so much. And I know if it helped me, it helped many of our listeners, too. Thank you so much for making all that time.
1: Hey, Jim, anything, anytime for you. I appreciate it. Continued success. I'll see
0: you soon. Such practical, pragmatic, but valuable information and advice, starting with the phone. Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm a degenerate for my iPhone. I love the product. And not that I'm proud of this, but I'll admit it. I buy one every single year when it drops. That's just my thing. And I will again when the iPhone 13 comes out next month or shortly thereafter. Now, I'm not addicted to using the phone per se, only buying it and having it. But to Scott's point, put the damn phone down. Put your head up with your family, with your co-workers, with your friends. Be where your feet are, always. I mean, sure, we have a cell phone basket in our kitchen, but what good is it if you don't use it? So no sooner than I finished this conversation, I went home, I took care of a few things, then I made sure I was exactly where my feet were at dinner. And it was the best dinner we've had months. Imagine then how much better your life would be if you did that every single night at dinner time. And then imagine how much better your life would be overall if you practice being exactly where your feet are every moment, every day. And yes, once again, simple but not easy, but absolutely effective. And that should be the new normal, the standard. And so, in terms of reinvention, And, you know, I always work that into the conversation. You know, I state why I'm here. Not only to improve, but to see if I can reinvent myself, my mind, my body, my spirit. In fact, not only reinvent, but be better than I've ever been in the past, even at this age. This is why I'm not shy about stating that goal, to make sure that my next 25 to 30 years are better than my last 25 to 30, to ensure that my best is really still ahead of me and not behind me, to be my best physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And this is why I try to find people like Scott O'Neill to pose that very question. Is it possible to do those things? Is it possible to be at your very best a little bit later in life? And I love what he said in response. He said, absolutely, your best work and greatest impact can still be in front of you, even into your 50s or beyond. The message being, it's never too late, and you still can dominate wherever you are in life. But there is that one caveat, of course, that father time is undefeated. Man, isn't that the truth? That SOB has never lost, never even tied, never even been trailing in a single game. But you know that. So you push back as hard as you can on that, and you adjust your strategy. Maybe you can't eat and drink what you used to and bounce back the way you once did. But I'm finally getting it through my thick skull that maybe we shouldn't be eating and drinking the type of crap that our bodies could process more easily back in the day. Now, I'm not saying that I smash clean burning fuel exclusively, far from it, but I know this much. To quote my dude, David Goggins, You got to get up every single morning and win the bleeping war with yourself. You have to look better, feel better, and eat better. And to quote last week's guest, Andy Frisella, we do the work. We do the work. His point is, never mind this bullshit about whatever the mind can conceive, it can achieve. I mean, sure but only if you do the work. And then to Scott O'Neill's point, you give yourself the best chance for success and happiness by incorporating five things into your daily routine. You do something for your mind, your body, your soul, you get good sleep, and you practice gratitude. So I hope you got something out of this. I know I did. If you did, be sure to share this episode with somebody that you think might benefit from it. And while you're here, if you don't mind, if you haven't done so already, can you subscribe and leave a review? I'm hitting this thing pretty hard every single week, so that is the one thing that I would ask of you if that's possible. Subscribe, review, and share. Those things really do matter, and I appreciate you so much for doing it. Now, put the phone down, put your head up, stay after it, and I will see you all next week right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome.